The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. For excellence, board of directors meeting for today. Um, Steve, we'll be reading our calling rules. Thank you, Madam President. So individuals in the audience uh, will be given three minutes to speak when we get to item E, public comments. And those watching at home on either Facebook or YouTube or PMN can also call in to comment at the appropriate time. Uh, the phone number is in the details of the streaming, but I'll just say that phone number here, which is 888-382-9556. Callers are also given three minutes to give comment uh, under item. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Steve. This is President Calderon Wissop. At this time, I'm also going to ask for a motion. We actually need to add a one more item to our regular agenda, which would make it B7, and that is with regards to conflict of interest. So, Commissioner Hess and, and um, excuse me, Director Harrell. Is, is there any comment on that particular? We will discuss it, obviously, at the time of the regular agenda. All right. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? <laughs> Seeing that there are none, the motion passes. The next item on our agenda is the approval of the minutes. So I am at this time asking for a motion to approve the minutes from April 25th, 2022. Support. Supported. All right, we have we have a move and it's supported. At this time, is there any discussion around or questions around those minutes? All, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Seeing that there are none, motion approves. Moving on to section C reports and communication, I will be handing it over to Steve. Thank you, Madam President. This is Steve Brown, uh, manager of the Foundation for Excellence. Uh, I can go ahead and speak just briefly to the Finance Committee report, and then, of course, other committee members uh, can, can add as they see fit. CFO Vicente isn't attending today, uh, but there were four items at the Finance Committee's last meeting, and there was some action taken. So on August 29th, the Finance Committee moved uh, to approve the 2021 independent audit and state they committed it, uh, excuse me, received it, uh, and then approved the dynamic design and submitted. Uh, number two was they created an audit subcommittee of three to five members, and that's in their bylaw power is that the finance committee can create an audit subcommittee. And the reason for that is to just bring in some board member eyes, ears, intelligence to that process. Um, so what we'll want to do today as well is seek nominations for that or, or volunteers um, for that committee. And we can actually do that under this item here. I have to take note of that. Um, and then item three here was that they approved the first and second quarter 2022 investment subcommittee reports. Um, and uh, for four, they approved the 2023 FFP budget for presentations. You'll see that later under regular agenda item D6. Um, and again, that's the, the bylaws require the finance committee to see that first iteration of it, then it comes to the board and then we continue that process. Uh, so th that was the business that the finance committee saw on August 29th. And 
I suppose now what we could do is if there's any finance committee member comments, otherwise we could move to looking for populating the audit subcommittee. And ultimately what you'll do is appoint those members. So we'll have uh, so volunteers and or nominations and or volunteers for those interested. Um, it says three to five members, the odd numbers so that you have a tiebreaker, of course. Uh, and that was those people who are working with uh, myself and CFO Vicente on that audit this year. Just as a quick sketch, it's, we expect maybe maybe five, six hours of work in the first quarter of the year, um, working meeting with the, the audit firm and with staff, maybe, maybe another meeting or two, it's not a big time burden. So anybody who has been involved with finances, with just you know, reviewing proposals, anything like that, um, or anybody who's even you know, willing to and interested in learning those things, very, very good skills to have. Is there any big question from the finance committee or anybody that would like to volunteer or shows interest? Thank you, Chair Carol. I don't know if I'm looking directly So, Madam President, this is a will rarely meet, or is it going to have a routine? We barely meet. So, if that helps you, once or twice a year, then the will to rarely meet. I'll be volatile. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So my question is, you're going to be asking for another committee to be working on things later on, correct? Correct. So I'm just trying to figure okay. out. You've spoken to it. I know. I'm suspecting that the director Bostrom may be interested in another committee and is All right. seeking to not be volunteered. <laughs> <laughs> There's more the opportunity. I've read that correctly. So I'm, I'm up for anything. I got about too much time on my hands. Thank you. One, one thing that I did want to, this is uh, part of the calendar way. So one thing I wanted to just clarify is that it does, it's beginning and ending in April. So with this, mm -hmm. these volunteers be serving through April and then we would revisit that again. Good, very good point. Yeah, so all all officer and committee appointments are, are annual. They they come up in April. So somebody can stay or they can choose to cycle off. But really at any point it's only a one year commitment. So this is a great trial phase. So with Dr. Bostrom? Sure. Wonderful. Thank you. And so I really would like to have a five number. That's that get us three. We have uh, Director Carroll, Director Balcoma, Director Bostrom. All right. Uh, I guess going once, going twice, <laughs> making sure that there's nobody out there that we're missing or not having the opportunity. All righty, thank you. Um, would we need to, I would just need to make an official appointment or? Question. In terms of appointments, attorney Robinson, so just make the appointments. So you have made the appointment. I have made the appointment. <laughs> I bestowed the appointment on me. Wonderful. All righty, so uh, moving on to the executive committee report. 
or actually, I, I apologize. Can I move too quick? I believe that there must be uh, a couple other. That's uh, actually it for finance. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you for talking me through that. And could you please take us to the executive committee? Yes, Madam President, this is Steve Brown again. Uh, so at the, on the August 29th meeting of the executive committee, there were five items. The first was that the executive committee recommended board approval of legal services agreement with Miller Johnson attorneys. So you'll see that uh, on the regular agenda. They recommended the board creation of a nominated committee, which you'll see it on the regular agenda, and recommended the board take up the topic of FFP development, specifically pertaining to creating the position of executive director. That's also on the regular agenda. Recommended the board take up the roster of changes to the bylaws and articles of incorporation. Uh, deemed necessary. And so the asterisk there is that it depends on some of the items today, which bylaws are particularly changed, but that's also on the regular agenda. And then lastly, number five is recommended changing the budget approval date uh, in the bylaws from October 31 to December 31 each year. That's also on the regular agenda. So all the items from the executive committee were moved, recommended specifically to uh, today's regular agenda. So no action requested there. So we're going to move on to the regular agenda now. And we have several motions that we have to look at. Uh, one of the, well, the first motion that we just spoke of is the approving of the legal services agreement um, with Miller Johnson attorneys. Um, so can I please have a motion for I move approval. Support. Thank you. Are there any questions? Any discussions? I have, oh. a, I have a question. Yes, Dr. Lumber. So I know we're looking at the outside in part to avoid conflicts of interest. And I saw in their proposal that, that Miller Johnson is, also has the city of Kalamazoo as a client. Can you help me, help me understand that? Because I don't understand this stuff. Is this someone you'd like to speak to and turn around? Or? Sure. Um, Miller Johnson represents the city only on a variety um, in terms of um, contract matters. Do we actually contract and handle things? Mr. Cherry used to work in my office. And so when he left, since he was involved in several matters, it was better to continue to have him be involved in those matters. But as a result, that will eventually go away once those matters are resolved. A couple of, there's a case on appeal in the Michigan Supreme Court. And there's, I think, a, uh, and that's not one truly with the city. The other one is he's assisting the um, Brownfield Redevelopment Authority on a development of property. So that's through the BRA and that's not a conflict. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank is there any other, are there any other questions or discussions or concerns with regards to uh, this legal services agreement? I would ask at this time that we vote. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Seeing that there are none, that motion stands. Um, our agenda item E2, uh, we discussed the creation of a nominating committee. Uh, that was recommended for us to discuss today. Um, is there any discussions or questions specifically around that uh, motion for the creation of that nominee? So um, in the past, 
members have been brought forth to work with the community foundation. So this is a story of suggestion, just remembering the conversation that we are no longer using that process. We're going to take it upon ourselves now uh, to make sure that we're bringing in those children individually. Will we have access to maybe the process they used? It seemed to be a pretty fairly successful process. They got good candidates, they got a number of things. If that's helpful, I would just suggest maybe a conversation with them for those who know the process. If not, are we creating our own process? That's just, I guess, a different thing. So I just want to put that discussion on the table. But I'm excited about that. Thank you for that, Director Washington. We did discuss um, more or less, I would say it's more of a hybrid because we do have access to that model. And then there are some components that we're going to be bringing in at the field. Let me, let me time out for a second. I think we need a motion and a second before. Yeah. Oh, I apologize. So we're going to back it up because we got a little excited. And I will ask <laughs> for a motion for the creation of the nominating committee. So moved. Thank you, Dr. Jackson. Support. Thank you. Excuse me, welcome. And uh, so we've, we've had some discussion on that um, a little bit prematurely. Is there any further discussion or questions? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to continue with picking sectors, right? And then this committee would vet that, and then we'd make that recommendation to the city commission. They would approve it, and then we would see the members. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. There is still that vet system of checks and balances in place. I'm good with that. Thank you. Any further discussions or questions? Yes, yes. Uh, Director Hess. Is the uh, timeline the same as for the uh, audit committee? So April to April, mm -hmm. what, what the timeline is the same. So this committee would work until April and then we would appoint or maybe renew. Thank you for asking for that clarification, Commissioner Hess. All those in favor to vote for the creation of nominating committee? Aye. Any opposed? Seeing that there are none, that motion also passes. The next item on the agenda is B3. Um, okay, so this one, we may or may not need a motion on this one. Um, Page 73. And Steve, I'm going to ask for your assistance. Excellent. So, Steve Brown here, manager of the foundation. Again, the, so we've discussed this in one on ones, and the Background is probably one of the longer memo items we've ever had in one of our packets. Tried to be very thorough about the history that got us to where we are and the kind of pieces that went into this topic. Uh, but really, what where we go back to is the only reason the FFP exists is to support the city and to help the city fulfill its goals. That's why it was created, that's why it's needed, and that need is you know is not going anywhere. It's it's really an important mission that FFP fulfills. And so when it was created in 2017, those bylaws captured that startup moment because we were creating a foundation from scratch. They also looked into the future with the potential, for example, to create an audit subcommittee. And then they also listed in the bylaws the option for an executive director. So over the last five years, as we built out the policies, as we've really developed a history of budgeting and auditing of a successful finance and executive committee, you know. You're, you all are really on your feet in a lot, a lot of ways. And as it's kind of a fifth anniversary now, and we're pivoting toward the endowment next year, the moment 
just has seemed right in conversation uh, to make that that step toward the executive director offering the board really that unadulterated you know guidance and staff time that it needs um, in its meetings and in its business, and then also to to work of course hand in hand with the city. Um, so the, the piece that's brought up here is the proposal for the position itself on page 76 is a potential org chart uh, that you all have seen. And just to, again, to, to revisit that. So as it is currently, the board has no staff. Um, and I myself as a city employee work with your best interest in mind, of course, but I'm also employed in the city. So there's a, you know, there's a little bit of a, of a split down the middle there of, of trying to really keep both, both worlds intact. Um, what this proposal would have is that uh, an FFP director position is created, which reports directly to you, the board. Um, so you would have higher fire capacity over that. There's a small asterisk on that that the city commission has the requirement to uh, give consent and advice on that higher. So ultimately, if, you know, if you create the executive director position, you write a job description, have a candidate, that's sort of the package that would then go to city commission once to be voted on, to just be up, down, approved. Um, and again, that is in the, the spirit and parallel to the board nomination process for city commission gets its blessing as part of that check and balance um, governance model that was created unique really to FFB to make sure that you know the, the checks and balances are all in place and that the system stay healthy long term. Uh, so I think broadly speaking that that's the overall proposal. Um, why this isn't necessarily a clean action item is because it's you know if you all you could create that position today in an action and then work in committee to define that job description, make those other choices moving forward. Um, if you thought more time was needed, you could delay. So I just want to be clear that you know, those options are on the table. Um, uh, Steve, yeah. this is President Halberman. So I just have a question for clarity. This is this doesn't just include that uh, that position is that two, in fact, that we're asking to create. Well, so the position you create would be the director, <clears throat> and then the development specialist underneath that could be created by board action. Um, but ultimately, that director is would be empowered to hire staff. Um, so now, get, but that would be within the context of the of the budget process and, and the board approval process, of course. So, thank you, Mrs. President, Calderon. So again, so we would not need to um, create that at this time then, if we were to do a motion to create this. Not okay. necessarily. Okay. Yes, um, thank you. Jeff. I have read this a couple times, and it says specifically the ability of the board to hire an executive director with the advice and consent of the city commission. This is a separate governing board, and I think that I would like to see the executive director hired with this board and not and take out with the advice and consent of the city commission because there's city commissioners on here, and then they really get two bites out of the apple. But we want this to be a good governance board, and we want to take the politics out of it. And commissions and boards elected by the people are inherently their politics now, right? Mm -hmm. And so we don't want the flavor of the day executive director. We want a good practitioner who's here. This is a half a billion dollars. It's a big deal. 
And so where it says the advice and consent of the city commission, I can see why they would have the um, advice and consent for um, the directors, but for the executive director, I think that this board should hire, should give the contract, should fire, should have all of that because this is really outside the wheelhouse of the um, city um, proper um, streets and structure public safety. This is really a unique animal. And I would like to see this board have the right governance over their elected executive director. Uh, thank you, Director Rafa. Actually, I think that's a really great point to make, excuse me, um, President Calderon myself, because we've already made so many strides to make this an independent situation with the subcommittees that were and the new processes that we're looking to put into place. Um, also, one of the things that was brought up by Commissioner Hesley, you know, how often we're we're kind of rotating these subcommittees, which is a lot more often than you know, um, elected officials are rotated. So I think for that purpose too, it might be good to have, you know, fresh set of eyes. Um, and and again, I think it's, it is important if we are making that, that break, I would have to ask, how does that play into the current MOU, if you will, between the city and the foundation? That it doesn't, it's not, doesn't affect it at all. And then if that's the case, because I don't believe it is, right? And then if, if that's the case, because we have people that are sitting here that would be in both places, do we have to qualify that as to those positions that we sit here? Because they get the position to sit here. Um, so then we have to say, so that's the commission, but we have to qualify them so they don't have to abstain. No, I well. Sorry. I'd ask you to turn it up. Yeah. Um, well, the bylaws require the commission to give us advice and consent. So you'd have to amend the bylaws to eliminate that. And bylaws have to be also, any amendments have to also be approved by the city commission. That's the way the, the process was constructed right from the beginning. And so it was the intent was for city FFD to work hand in glove, if you will, moving forward. So at this point, while I appreciate the suggestion, uh, the bylaws, maybe even put the articles incorporation, require the advice and consent of the city, but it's a straight up and down vote. The city commission is acting more or less like the US Senate in that regard. Uh, and now, again, to change it, you vote the approval of the majority of this board and the majority of the city commission. So, and I recall one other in regard to conflict, there is no, there would be no conflict because you're certain that those commissioners who serve on both boards um, have that opportunity to vote on those questions separately, first as an FFP member and then or in their city commissioner. Uh, so there is no conflict of interest in that regard. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'll be hopeful here. So, one, I, I it would be important, I think, that we see the language. I appreciate Clyde and your advice, but if there's language in the bylaws, because uh, that's that's the official document, I appreciate that you're not reading from them. So that means you could miss something. But my question to you in regards to the bylaws, does it say staff with the consent, or does it say it only addresses the director. It only so the advice and consent of the city commission have to come in regards to all of us sitting here, correct? 
well, well, or I say the executive director, but I didn't mention. Okay, so it does say executive director. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that's that. This is Franklin Calderon. So I have great news because we have a motion <laughs> on the agenda to propose updates to the FFB article to the incorporation in bylaws. And I don't know if that's something that we may want to add to the agenda or how where we would put that in to look at it at a later time, because I don't know how we would be able to move forward with this particular proposal without that, which we wouldn't, is my understanding. No. Well, as it sits now, the proposal can be approved as per the request that's before us. And so the commission would still have consent and whatever the other term is. But not as the way that. And I would not, you know, I don't vote on any of those, but I would not be an advocate for us at the dais or at the table here, all of a sudden adding a new bylaw amendment in. No. Today. Um, yeah. Maybe future, but not today. If I could also clarify that. The issue is advice on the individual who's to be the executive director, not the creation of the position, because you've already got that power in the bylaws. Right. Okay. Right. And so it would create a format where do we want the individual to have a contract? Do we want them to have a salary structure? Um, how do we want the reporting structure? And so I agree. I mean, so we could move on those items. This is President Calderon. We could move on those proposed items today and then seek to have, if there needs to be any proposals to, I'm sorry, proposed updates um, at a later time. So we would be moving, we would be proposing today to move forward as it stands so that as, yeah, um, so we would still need to bring it before the city commission as, as we accepted it today. Uh, yes. Thank you. Robinson, I have a little question here, which I, as the more we talk about it, seems to be in the gray area. It's not conflict of interest, it's incompatible public office. So that doesn't come into play here because it's getting really close. To no, because then that's subordinate or uh, superior. Because you tracks on both sides. There's no contract. You're, all the commission would be doing is approving whether the individual should be hired as the executive director. You're not entering into the contract. You're just giving your, your blessing or the lack of that to the FFP board. Turnouts, can I clarify a question? So the, what they approve is, is just the, the individual? Right. So it's it's, you know, you either want or don't want Clyde Robinson as the executive director. Or, or I suppose they could get into, you pay, again, the point is that you're both trustees of the endowment. Yeah, we're going to pay this guy or gal quarter million dollars to be executive director. What? That's a little excessive. And so the commission might say, no, no, no. You have an executive director. We're going to veto this because we're not going to pay anybody quarter million dollars. That's, that's within their purview. On the other hand, say, so, oh, yeah, we got a person willing to do it. They're, we're going to pay them a salary, full time salary. We're going to give them a salary of $85,000. Okay. Um, given the structure, we can afford that. The commission says this individual appears to be qualified. That's a rational uh, salary. We'll give it a thumbs up. That's the idea of how it's supposed to work. I think this board could do the exact same thing with a bylaw amendment. And I thought that 
the proposal updates to the articles of incorporation and bylaws on this agenda too, but obviously it could be taken up at a later date as well when you're looking at a contractor who you're hiring or um, a job description, right? And then goals against that job description and if the executive committee is going to um, evaluate that person. So that's um, this is Chris again. So that's something that we could um, we would just be amending the process, but we could create an action today. I'm sorry, we could um, do a motion today to create uh, that position of action. Okay, and just change the way we do it. So this is Andrew Boster. The question. I have is in terms of creating a job description and salary guidance and those kinds of things. Can we go ahead and do that alone without getting advice advice from the center? Do we have to run that over to the commission? That's within your purview. You have to run that by the person. The proposal in terms of the individual scope of their duties, the salary, and that's what they're going to look at as an up or down vote actual groundwork, if you will, that's within the purview of this body. Yeah, but the really doesn't make a lot of sense. So with what it should be a collaborative, if there if there is any opportunity for a no to be given, then we're better off having an understanding of the parameters of what's going to be accepted. Because I could easily see this coming out. And if we did a whole research thing now, we're going to come up with a salary that's going to be conducive to the millions and millions of dollars that this, I mean, it's going to, to somebody, they might not like it. We're going to come up with a salary that's going to be conducive to this individual. For us to take that to the commission and we get a no vote begins the chain of events that we have not had before. And so, how, how do we avoid that? Go ahead, people. <laughs> so, just to, we, we avoid that because of this and this and the other person that's not here. These three individuals are truly the conduit to that commission along with the city manager. Um, so I think, you know, we got uh, two thirds or almost or a third of the commission that's sitting here. Uh, I would discourage us from trying to add our amendments that because bylaws have to go back to the commission to approve. So you're going to have to take the back to the commission that says, hey, we don't want y'all. And I don't think that's a good idea. Not now, not with what we've gone through over since arriving at this point. Let's move on and get the work done. We work with our folks that represent the commission and this body. And then we, we see where we land. I, I wouldn't ask to be tweaking with this thing. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, uh, Director Baltimore, but I just think, I don't think this is the time to want to I was discouraged. Thank you, Director Harrison. I apologize. I did not see your. No, I just wanted to ask a clarifying yes. question to make sure I, um, I under, understood the conversation. All right. But the idea is that a clarity. So if the city commission is represented on the board and we have the power to create contracts and the actual position. Are those individuals allowed to be on a nominating or the development committee of, um, you know, those different processes? Yes. So you can't have the entire session unless they take it up at a meeting. 
collaboratively be involved with trying to find that person who's going to have to do all your stuff and open and read. But we have certainly have some open meeting back, but some things we need to be able to do. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm not trying to create a funky scenario. Just want to make sure that a whole bunch of work doesn't get done on one end and then gets kiboshed on the other. That's that's my intention. Make sure we're working on it together and we have some realistic expectations and ideas about what we're developing. I guess uh, treasurer here. <laughs> um, and uh, I just want to point out also that um, this this board, this um, the way we've come together is very unique, and um, it is a public-private partnership, unlike you know any kind of nonprofit. It's very different. It's a very different board from a, uh, a regular tribal Um So there are times where it it may appear unusual, um, but because of our very close relationship with the city, um, I, I feel quite comfortable with the current uh, language on the way it goes. Thanks for catching. Well, um, I, just to be, I'm sorry, I didn't want to make sure I didn't miss anybody. So the motion would be for the board of directors to create the position of executive director and direct staff to create a detailed job description and hiring proposal for the executive committee review. Is that in part? Okay, I didn't want to try to get this other stuff. So in creating this wonderful entity that we have that supports our city and knowing that we have to guide it. But also my belief is 85% of the work is really the city saying what they need and then we respond to that need. I'm going to be very, very cautious of adding staff after staff after staff. I get needing a person I need to get some understanding of the scope of work as to why we might need more people than a person or two, just because you know our work is you know, we got to manage the finances, whatever, but our work isn't marketing, our work isn't going on as much raising funds. Uh, so it's truly that, yeah, just that scope. Sometimes you should get into this thing. Okay, now I got two staff, three thousand staff, four staff, and I wonder where where are we going. So that's just my thing. This is President Kalumba. So I appreciate that um, observation. I think for myself, and I know this this draft here, it definitely kind of helped to see how you know the different positions within or well. I shouldn't say positions, but the different roles within the members of the Foundation for Excellence of the board, as well as the city and you know where we're coming together. And I think that as long as we continue to kind of map those processes out, 
will see where there are um, either gaps or you know things that are just kind of overlapping and creating um, maybe things that don't even exist. So I, I do appreciate that. Yes. Well, this proposal really calls for hiring an executive director, hiring a fundraising and development support position, and retaining the administrative support and benefit services of the city yes. using a proven contractual model. Um, Mr. Opal. So it's not just hiring the executive director. Yes. And the motion is not correct. Well, and that was, and this is Colton Russell. That was one of the things that I, I attempted to make clear when I asked about whether this was actually just for the executive director or if it included um, that additional staff member there that um, that was listed. So if we maybe need to adjust the motion or if this is something that we need to table because there's further discussion, this would be the time to. Are we too far into the motion? Yes, of course. Thank Director Baltimore, so there is, I, I agree that those two, so the motion is more constricted than the proposal that you mentioned there. The proposal is essentially defining like a maximum possibility. So it's, so that development position is in there, but doesn't need to be in the motion and, and it isn't actually in the board motion today. That position isn't called out in the bylaws. It would be up to a, an executive director to then sketch out that need, sketch out that budget requirement, bring it back to the board to say there's a need for this position. But the proposal shows essentially what, you know, it shows a proposal of what would get a certain amount of work done. Um, so that the proposal could have been just the director, uh, but that would then ask the question of, well, who's going to be helping with development? Who's going to be helping with those other pieces? So, so doesn't a, a motion have to come from the executive committee doing it on the next agenda, really? Because it's really the executive um, committee bringing it forward, right? And so I don't know what we're really even voting on because really the executive committee would have the power to do that right now, right? No, the, only the board has the ability to create the position. Oh, so the board has to create the position, then the executive committee has to meet and do all their work. Create yeah, the position, it's, it's right? part of the convolution. So the executive committee okay. sees sees the topic first because they have to discuss potential strategic and governance pieces. Then they recommend it to the board uh, for action or discussion, kind of like a first and second reading. Yeah. And we're somewhere in that gray zone right now of, is it, you know, so a motion was made, right, to create the executive director. Um, and then, so if that passes today, then it would go back to committee to do the nitty gritty, for like job description, et cetera, and then we'll bring it back to the board. Final approval. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So it is. There's more pieces than in your in a typical nonprofit. There's there's quite a bit of back and forth between committees. But and director Brinson has this one. Oh, I got it. No, Are you sure? It was addressed. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're in the corner, so. I know. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that you have a motion. I bet you know. We do. Um, but Can you restate the motion? Yes, of course. I'd be more than happy to do that. So the motion uh, is that the board of directors create position of executive director and direct staff to create a detailed job description and hiring proposal for executive committee review. And direct staff is not approved. Correct. And I, and yeah, I believe that, wait a minute. It's it's the is, and well, direct staff, that's hired. Yeah, two yeah. direct staff. Oh my gosh, okay, I'm staff. sorry. So because that wasn't, and I'm not picking on you, because oh, that wasn't uh, capitalized, it, I literally 
thought that direct staff as in the verb is to direct the staff, but no. we are actually saying direct staff. Oh, okay. so no, it is a verb. And two direct staff. Yeah, right. so that's that's that. Yeah, it is to be included right staff into the house. Which is okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, I still stand by that. That's correct. Motion was made by. Yes, and second. Made by whom? Is that your motion? Just to make sure. It is. Okay. That's right. Uh, question would direct staff would staff be staff in the office or in human human race, human, no. <laughs> or human resources in the city? Okay. All right, thank you. That's okay. Anything else? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion is passed. Aye. So we have moved on to the C4 item on the agenda for proposed updates to the Foundation for Excellence Articles of Incorporation and bylaws. Uh, in this section, um, there are a few items that we have to take a look at because of the direction that the board is heading in. Um, with some of the changes that are made, it has become necessary to take a look at, at, uh, at some of these bylaws and articles of incorporation, as we've already discussed uh, with growth, some come some changes. So, Steve, would you please elaborate on that? Thank you, President Kellen. What is it? This is Steve Brown again. Uh, so, there's a memo on page 79 of the packet. And this uh, has been reviewed by Attorney Robinson. And what I wanted to do here was just lay this out. It's it's an overwhelming amount of information when you try to look at the bylaws. So uh, what you have under each potential change is the reason for it, where it appears in the bylaws, or those incorporation, the recommendation, and then the status. So uh, again, on that memo, there are four recommended changes to the bylaws. And I'll just go in order here. Uh, so for the grant making committee, that was actually approved for change in 2018 and they've just been holding it so that we don't have to go twice to commission into the state attorney general's office. But that's basically, it was for lack of a better word, a rata that was left in the document that should have been taken out. Um, there's one mention to the and grant making committee. Um, so we were, so the board approved removing that. Uh, item two is governance facilitator. So the reason is that the language is obsolete. Uh, the governance facilitator helped establish the FFP, but the FFP board has been established and built capacity for this work. So this is particularly uh, to what Director Washington touched on, which is the nominating committee. So taking that, that tried and true system that has gotten all your stakeholder uh, directors nominated and approved, and just bringing that in house. So staff would work with the nominating committee to, to just work through that process. Uh, and so here you'll see on the B, those words appear 10 times um, and they would just need to be replaced with, um, as you'll see under C, in all instances, replace the word governance facilitator with um, the board or appointed committee. So that just keeps it very straightforward that those powers are, are once again yours or, or, or become yours or appointed committee. 
um, for free, remove calendars of community foundation. So again, that they were the named governance facilitators and that contract is, is not going to be renewed. So again, that language is obsolete. Uh, the process for navigating these challenges and opportunities to establish the effort endowment. It was determined that the city would be the fiduciary for the funds to be invested in their current manner. The current language needs to be changed to avoid confusing decision makers and the public. So it appears twice, and you'll see under C, uh, we've removed the language such as Council Community Foundation uh, and not replace it, we just remove it. And then same as under C2 is just remove quote Council Community Foundation. Uh, again, the status is pending approval today and we're on City Commission as they initiative. Uh, item four was actually pulled by executive committee to be its own item because it, had, it, was, it has budget implications. So, so four is is on pause um, as an item. If, if it's okay, I'll just read it here because we're in it. So um, the city has found inefficiencies in creating separate workflows for the FFD draft budget to be done by October 31st. And then the larger comprehensive city budget, which is due December 31st, um, this creates rework. Last year, we actually had that special board meeting. If you recall that, we had to call everybody in on December 19th, I think it was, uh, which is tough with the holidays. Um, so we were, we recommend replacing one word. So we just swap out October for December. Um, and it, in terms of knock-on effects, that really just means that we, we open up the ability to schedule the meeting a little bit later in the year if we need to. Um, and that takes a little bit of pressure on the city. And then, so again, the status is the same as the others. But to be clear, this item would now just be, would, would now exclude four as four as its own motion next. So, yep, it's, um, it'd, it'd be item yeah, five. So then continuing on, articles of incorporation, I won't read through these because they're word for word identical. So item one, remove governance facilitator. Item two, remove council community foundation. They're just in a different part of the article's document, but it's the exact same uh, text. So what you would be voting on today, because all of these have remained relevant. So it would be an item you'd be looking at bylaw one, two, three, not four. And then you'd be looking at articles one and two. So in terms of phrasing and motion. So I yes. there's there's different amount of support that's required when you're voting on articles of corporation for five items, you know, it's three quarters, or yes. animus and some of that stuff. So I guess we did solve one one, but Oh, sure. okay. There should be two motions. Okay, so a uh, motion to update the foundation for excellent bylaws, uh, specifically one through three. Thank you. Support. Thank you. Any discussion? All those in favor? Please. Oh, I'm sorry. Sir? President Calderon Hueso. Uh, Vice uh, President Ritzman. Yes. Treasurer Carroll. Aye. Uh, 
Director Anderson? Yes. Director Balkan? Yes. Director Bostrom? Yes. Director Harrison? Yes. Director Hess? Yes. Director Longberg? Yes. Director Salas? Yes. Uh, Director Washington? Yes. Uh, Emeritus Director Hopeland? You don't have a vote. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a quick verifying question here that this meeting was noticed 21 days in advance, right? This board meeting? It says yeah. the meeting has been at least 21 days before the meeting together with the capital proposed amendment. It's the only way we can vote on No. So we can't do it. That actually there was no. Together with the copy of the proposed amendment. No. So I take that my book. <laughs> we would agree. Yeah. 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 Also, it has to be uh, concurrence of the Michigan Attorney General's Charitable Trust Division. When does that happen in the process? That's after you take this action. A letter goes to the uh, Attorney General's office asking for approval. They'll review it and they'll put it down. And so, and just, this is for the So this. So it's important that we actually set another date for this because this, our contract is set to expire in In October, yeah. So oops, two items. One, my apologies. It's entirely my, my fault. I put this together with those dates in there. So I apologize for, for bringing this up at the inopportune time and wasting all your time. 21 days would be perfectly fine if you just table it, as Director Bostrom mentioned, and then bring it up at the October meeting, which is October. 10th, October 10th is exactly it's October 24th. Is that time enough? That would be it's 21 days, yeah. It's not that okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're fine. We've got plenty. We've got plenty. So you don't need a table, it's just a no action. You're ready to put it on the agenda for the next meeting. Okay. Is it, is it, we go through the entire process again? So the vote is null. No. Okay. And it's not a table. Three quarter vote, wow. once unanimous. All right. So, thank you. Could tech, I won't go there, but you could technically do the articles today, but not the bylaws. It's probably better to just, I'll stop.
well, no, I'm actually glad you said something. This is President Calderon. So we are moving the agenda items uh, before to the next meeting. Okay. And, and that would include B5. Thank you so much. Which takes us to B6. So then we for sure have the 21 days. Yeah. Yeah. Worth the Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yep. Okay. Uh, moving on into the agenda item B6, the draft budget review for 2023. Thank you, Madam President. This is Steve Brown again. So you'll see on uh, page 82 is the report for the final item. Uh, and just as a recap for directors uh, who have been through this before and not been through this before and for the public, is that the budget process works in the following manner, is that the city internally has a special request process from departments. Those proposals are uh, read they're very, very thorough. They're graded uh, with a number. They're scored. City staff comes up then with a draft budget overall for special requests. The, the pieces of that that are identified for potentially FFP funding are put together and listed. You'll see that on page 84. So we bring this to first finance committee and we'll just review it and then advance it to the board. So you're seeing it today for the first time. No action is requested. Uh, so it's just a review. You can ask questions. I'll document concerns and things like that. Then it goes to city commission for the same process. So review, questions and answer, but no action requested. It then comes back to you all in currently October for recommendation to the city commission for inclusion in their budget in January. So in October, you'll see uh, this item back with any adjustments that were needed in that meantime, and then it would be incorporated into budget workbook for the city and take it up in January when, when the city commission votes on the budget. So it's a, a four, you could say five kind of step dance that we do every fall. Um, so again, yeah, no action requested, just a review. And while I'm on that, what I can do is just a brief intro. Like I say, 84 has a line item uh, presentation of that draft 23 FFD city budget. The next pages, 85 and on, are what we call the transmittal memo. So this is the draft of what gets then conveyed to city manager Ritzman and senior city staff for inclusion in that budget. <clears throat> um, and so those same projects are listed in, in a different, you know, there's a different way of looking at it. It's got a total for all time expenses there. And then the appendix A, which is 87, has details on the tax reduction calculus, the budget stabilization calculus, and uh, aspirational projects. There's very, very brief descriptions for the projects with some historical uh, impact statements there. Um, just trying to keep that, of course, readable or really write pages about all of our programs. So keep that pretty short and sweet. Um, but again, so review today. I'll just go through the, the one on 84, because that's the most thorough, uh, is you'll see at the very top, there's the two required payments from the FFB to the city. The first one is city property tax relief, and that's calculated next year to be approximately $13.98 million, 
say $13.99 million. And that again, that covers the difference the city would have made between its old tax rate and the new tax rate that was made possible by FFP. So between 19.0275 mills and 12 mills, that's that delta that's calculated each year based on the assessed value of all the tax bank property in the city, which you'll see here is uh, almost $2 billion, $1.923 billion. <clears throat> the next line there is budget stabilization. Uh, that is, it's a rolling two-year average of the community price index, which is, there's different ways, there's two ways to calculate it, and we took the, the lower cost one of the advice of the CFO, um, so that's $4.5 million, uh, and then that inflates every year as, as that market basket of goods also inflates. I'll pause there, it looks like direct from Oh, pause his hand up. Yes, and then... I'll be helpful here. Um, so I guess I always wonder, are we ever gonna have a stable budget? What is it? Is the income tax gap that our excuse the property tax gap that keeping us really stable? Or yeah, is it's, it it's still a broken financial model? But it's also our activities in regards to the expense side of the budget as well, right? Right. So yeah, so if you Go back to 2016, 2015, we're much more stable than we were back then, you know, in the cut mentality. So that's what we're comparing. It's really working for this place. So do we see some significant trimming up in more staff? We've seen for capacity say yes. For projects and, and all of that. So, when do we get to our peak? And what are we talking 2024, 25, 27? Peak in staff? Or yeah, we, we, yeah, I mean, it's, I would say we'll continue looking at it each budget year, depending on what projects there are and, and programs. And that's obviously a review with the commission and all of that. So, Yes. So mid year, do we get a budget to actual on what our like for 22? So do we track what we're spending versus what we budgeted? That's actually a very good question. So there's no formal there's no formal process for checking in with actual to expended. Um, there's we get monthly reports from management services that shows those spend downs and you can imagine between like a, uh, a parks program that's the same every year, it's only in the summer. We know almost immediately in like September where that's at. Other projects, say roads, for example, that may have to issue multiple RFPs because they can't get the work bid out because there's not enough contractors. That stuff can go until you know, November, December. And so we ultimately don't know that final position until oftentimes the beginning of February of the following year just because of the complexity of the cities and the size of the city's finances. Right, so then you kind of go through an allocated funds balance and yeah. fixed costs, I would imagine, are January through December, but yeah. all your programming might not. So do we have an allocated fund balance from the last five years that we could spend and allocate? Because I can't really tell from this picture what that looks like. Yes, so we can. So that, that'd be the program grants, if we want to move on to that. Sure. So the there's a... 
up until now, we've been working off the past the grant dollars from the Stryker Johnson Foundation. So the total $147 million that we've received have been those dollars to the city. So because of basically two things, one is net earnings for liquidating the stock that the gifts have been, and then also interest earned as that cash sits in an account for you know months or years. There's a fund balance remaining of $4.251 million. That's what we're that's what this budget comprises in that column that says fund balance. So you'll see the third from the right says fund balance. So that 3.871, yeah, you see at the bottom 4.251 million. So that's cash, so to say, cash on hand by the city that we that we want to get rid that we you know get out the door basically. That's that remaining unallocated. So atop this, to your first question of dollars <clears throat> net to actual for for fiscal year spending. So in this program year, if a project said they needed ten dollars and they only needed eight, right? There's a net there of two. We'll true that. We'll have to true that up at the end of the year and integrate it to this. But right now, it's not a knowable number, so we can't budget for it. But your fund balance really is all the extra from something about inception that we have not spent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's that four point two five one. Why do you have your salaries in the fund balance? That seems like that would be a fixed cost that you would know every single year you would spend. It is, but there's a couple things moving here. So the next column, which says endowment. As we discussed in one-on-ones, and then I presented as well to City Commission this this summer and in June, was the more money you have invested, the more it's invested, the more money you make, the more you have to help the city with. So, what we want to do is minimize the endowment draw as much as possible, and especially these next years when the city also can has, has ARPA money to consider, so American Rescue Act dollars to consider. So what we're doing here is just trying to split that usage of the funds between the two sources. One is one is the fund balance, and you can see we zero that out at the bottom here, the 4.251. And then the other is down, right? Which is if it's the only other source of revenue for this project. So, so is your fund balance held at the city or is it held in the FFD? The fund balance belongs to the city. <laughs> yeah, Stryker Johnson is given directly to the city. It's held in the city. Okay, so the foundation price looks really different have a separate balance sheet. It's kind of commingled to the city. It has a separate balance sheet, absolutely. Yeah. But so is this 4.251 and the FFP balance sheet? No. 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 So a, a, a simpler way to this is a, sounds very complicated, but the simple way to look at it is to date, the FFP has not spent any of its endowment dollars on projects or staff. It's only spent it on investment fees and well, essentially investment fees. But next year they're going to. Yes. Okay. That'll be the very first year. Yeah. And we want that number to be as small as possible without, you know, without dramatically changing the, the programming landscape. But since the city is also considering, you know, the ARPA revenue that has a very significant amount of money, let's just say $30 million approximately, that factors in, of course, because there's a limit, the city, there's a, a certain capacity limit that the city can do work for. And so we're in a sense backing into that to get it down number low. So, so what you'll see, there's some there's projects on here that have historically been funded by FFP that scored high enough to be funded next year. But again, since we don't want to dig into the endowment and there's ARPA resources, staff are recommending that ARPA pay for those programs and projects. Those aren't reflected here just for clarity's sake, because 
of course, you know, again, you are just at that peak. Um, but those would be shown and those can be shown in a different budget workup that's that's those already exist and then you'll certainly see that for the city's draft budget <clears throat> is that a satisfactory question there's a lot of yeah, I'm just trying to say it, so yeah. i'm not trying to yeah. your time's up sorry oh, not at all. okay so at, since we're still looking at this adding on is that the the one thing we know about this budget is that when it comes for approval, it, it won't be identical. Things probably will change between now and then. That's the case every year. A couple of things that I highlighted here is underlined. Um, you'll see at the bottom there's a note. Items have been added since first presentation finance committee. So those are uh, under operation fixed costs. So those are the professional development uh, dollars put in there, communications and engagement. And then the fund management, the endowment custody, uh, custody fees, part of that typo, and then endowment investment management. We have the updated calculations for those in, in terms of what goes in. Um, and then you would see the all the total line of activity for next year would be $23.8 million. And again, the, from the endowment standpoint, the thing to focus on is that endowment column. So the actual draw from the investment sum of $19.551 million, broken down by tax, by budget stabilization, and then those uh, costs at the bottom. Do you have to have a balanced budget? Yeah, that'd be, no. No, there's a, the, the, the calculation is 3.5% of the endowment, or, the statutory obligation, which is only tax and budget, whichever one's greater. And in this case, 3.5% of our current investment of $165 million is the, the obligation is bigger than that. So 3.5 is a trigger. I, I frankly don't expect it ever really to be triggered, but it's there as the backstop. Other questions or comments? Moving on to the regular agenda item B7, um, in which we are going to be discussing, well, we're, we're discussing possible conflict of interest um, and just having a discussion um, around uh, one of our one of our own here. So, Madam President, I can fill up. So, since this was just added, by the way, thank you again. Yes. This is the item that we added to the budget. And I do apologize for needing to add this at the last minute, but um, Director Harrison, and we'll I'll incorporate you in just a moment, but this is a, an apology on my part. So our conflict of interest policy at FFB requires that if a board member is engaged in any kind of uh, activity that they themselves or their nearest relatives as listed in the sheet uh, could benefit from the, the FFB dollars passed either directly or to the city or a, or a ancillary subrecipient grant dollars that the, they declare that conflict of interest and then the policy says that the board essentially adjudicates that to, to, to determine if they think that there is a conflict of interest uh, and if not then to waive that as an action and then everything is cleared up 
So the threshold for that is, is $5,000 or below. And to be frank, I was very uh, consumed with making sure we weren't a follow of the city's purchasing policy. And the I interpreted that as, as below $5,000 and thought that we were clear. So it's actually $5,000 and below. So uh, Director Harrison, as a consultant in the city and being involved in various business communities, was hired as a consultant for the business development funds, room 35, uh, technical assistance, and micro contractor technical assistance development program. That contract was for precisely $5,000. So it fell to the dollar on the threshold. I read it as a, on the wrong side of that number, so I do apologize. Uh, so where we are now is really just going back to that policy moment. And what, what the board would be asked to do is to just hear what Mr. Harrison has to say about the work that he did. And the policy technically requires you to leave the room, interestingly enough. So, but I believe that the, the board could also choose not to go that route if you so desired, it's your policy. Um, and then to just waive the conflict or or then move it for further examination if needed. So I do apologize for, for it coming about this way. It had to come up one way or another. So sorry to push on the spot, Director Harrison. So uh, for about 10 weeks, over the past 10 weeks, we've officially finished. Uh, we've done a program called 460, um, where we have 10 um, carpenters, developers, and uh, contractors in the community take uh, Michigan State uh, contracting and building devices. Um, it's a state test that requires 60 hours worth of content classes and kind of test taking and development in order to take a test at the end of that in order to get that license. So uh, the city along with Room 35 and myself, we have hosted those individuals and conducted those classes over the last 10 weeks um, to the point where we are prepared to uh, take the test um, for those individuals, which will be the second time that that class has happened. Uh, my role is to kind of um, community build with those individuals, support their needs to make sure that they can access the class and, and they feel successful, but also connected to the individuals and the process that we are putting together for them to be successful with the work that they will hopefully, prayerfully, you know, get to be a part of after um, they pass this test. So it's been 10 weeks. Um, it's a 60-hour requirement for them to even take the test. So I've been a part of that group uh, since the beginning. Um, so at the beginning, I made sure that we reached out just to make sure that everything was okay. Um, and uh, we're finished with that and just kind of plan on keep supporting that population with continued projects. We wanted to bring it to the board to make sure it was okay. Did you receive full payment already? Yeah, it was a was a direct one-time payment. Give us a dollar back. It says during fiscal year too. Is there a possibility that it was overlapping at all? I mean, this is fairly new, so I guess that's not just can we say very very new. It was it, it all it's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Director Harrison, you completely fulfilled your duty by bringing it up to me, and so I again I can apologize. Thank for you. May I ask so that that will continue right? because we want this work to continue. So, so the conversation we've had is for the work to continue. I'm not sure about the structure of you know how it'll be funded. You know, I haven't been privy to that because we just finished this first set of classes. 
So the, the group is focused on trying to pass the test. Um, but I think the, um, the city along with room 35 are beginning to plan discussions of what it's going to look like. Thank you. So the reason I ask is, it, would this be like a one-time waiver that would be in continuum? Yeah, it's case by case. That's so, so it's a good moment to just pause and say, if if the board member ever has a concern about a conflict of interest, for example, if you're a small business owner and you're interested in availing yourself of the city's unique and very important small business development funds, but you're also an FFP board member, you bring that up, the FFP board would then make a determination about whether or not there's a potential conflict that you're, you're benefiting from, from an office that you hold. Now, we've, I've had been working with the city quite a bit on this because we always want to be, you know, it's not just conflict, but it's the appearance of a conflict. And we always want to be steer as clear as you can around it. However, if we have, it's, you know, this, this is a small-ish community and we have stakeholder directors. So if we have a, a small business owner who would like to be on the board and can really bring, I'm going to put you on the spot, Director Salas, bring outstanding experience, multiple careers, all your history and your passion, small business owner. And when we say you, you can't access these funds while you're a board member, even though you didn't have a vote in creating them or handing them out, we're basically choking off our supply of, of potential uh, board members. So for example, Director Salas, you know, you, you were appointed in April the funds we currently spend on business development were approved the previous November, and this board doesn't determine who gets business funds. So there's not even a potential mechanism for a conflict of interest to exist. However, we want to document that and make sure that the board is on the same page. So these are just some moving parts that will come up in the future. So this is, in a sense, a good case study for it. Um, but yeah, so next year, for example, if you were approached again to do this work as a, as a consultant, we just you just want to bring it up and you'd say, here's what I'm doing, here's and, and I could present, here's a source of funding, here's when it was approved. And worst case scenarios, you, you know, you could abstain from certain votes that pertain to that, but there's really not even a direct, there's no way for the board to vote on which businesses get grants. So there's there's not even the appearance of a conflict, there's no mechanism for it to happen. So we're being very, very much safer than sorry on this. Um, but yeah, moving forward, we just want to be, be aware of that. That um, if you're, you know, if you're a board member who is trying to avail yourself of any of the cities that have funded opportunities, that it's just named, the board can look at it, take it up, and move on. Some of them are pretty broad too, so we wouldn't necessarily know. And we don't approve the bills against our budget. And so it would almost be impossible a year prior to know that. Yeah. Right. If, if it came back and we were approving the bill, he would have to abstain and recuse himself and state his conflict. But it's kind of hard to know what your conflict is a year out when you don't know if you're going to participate in a program or not. Yeah, exactly. And so if it's case by case, so for example, Mayor Anderson, uh, if if I can pick on you for a moment, say you're, um, say you had a relative that owned a lawn mowing company. Is that? Chocolate. Do you want to go chocolate shop? Okay. Say you had a relative who owned a chocolate shop, and that chocolate shop wanted to get a small business development grant from the city that's funded by FFP. You bring it up. You'd say, I have a relative who owns a shop. They've applied for this funding. Pass up three chocolates to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can necessarily 
Yeah. Yeah. Camper Yeah. Because that could all go on beyond him and he is on the to put his hands out, so I don't even know if he would know or not now. Right? I'd say within human limitations. <laughs> and, and when in doubt, go back and read your policy. It's in your board binder. It's, um, I think it's the fourth one in there. And the first two pages cover it really well, the purpose of definitions, and then the rest of it is actually important to fill out if you thought there was a conflict. Um, so that we need to have a reason to make those I think I think it'd be good to have board action waiving it. I think it's important to have absolutely as to whether or not I thought he just stated it for the record he put in the mess. I don't know what I'm proving. That, that we, I think what we're doing is we're asking for the waiver itself, correct? Yeah. Or if we did it, if we for some reason we're not asking for the waiver, then I think that there's a. You're looking for a motion to, to that there is no conflict of interest okay. for Director Harrison to have built that contract. Yeah, so we'll support. Any further discussion? Does it seem like is there any opinion? I'm grateful to be the district. And that we're doing this work as a city. This is this is well protected. Is that the right over five thousand dollars? How is that set? Is that by law? Is that a that's in your policy? Set, we set that first. Yeah. And we, so we could revisit that at some other point. Yeah. And some people are getting pinched at a lower amount than we do. Okay. Yep. Um all those in favor? Aye. 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 Are there any that are opposed? Seeing that there are none, that motion passes. Thank you, Director Washington. Thank you. <laughs> that was reminiscent of school. Of somebody had to come guess the activity. No, there's drill. Thank you, Director Washington. At this time, um, Gary, Steve, would you please check to see if there are any public comments? Yes, thank you, President Kelvin Lazo. So, the time for public comments is now open. Uh, as I said before, anyone watching at home can call the number listed in the comments there. That number is 888-382-9556. When you call, it will say you're calling city commission, but I assure you, you're actually calling our meeting. It's just a share phone service. Um, so I will give pause there while I ask if there's any members of the general public who would like to comment today. Seeing none. Gary, if you can go ahead and open. And we give this just a minute in case anybody needs to call it. So I'll start my timer. Everyone can just sit comfortably. And Fantastic. Yeah, it was all those 
overachievers. So we stayed on a lot of not only like study skill building, right? Because there's a lot of math, a lot of law, because in the rest where it's more like learning, learning the process of taking this type of test. Yeah. And then there's a practical side which I'm starting to develop just with real work with collaborating time. So you know, you might be a painter, but you can understand, you know, this roofing aspect of you know of the work that you kind of should take it. You know, continue to grow their business. And so they've done a lot of commingling between, you know, their services to kind of overlap their skill set. So they're, and this is, you know, been organic while they're, you know, trying to take this online test process. It's just kind of like, you know, you know, read and respond. So it's been, it's been kind of like a group study process. And now we're at the end of the day. So our public comment, um, so. and session is over. <laughs> And I apologize for interrupting. Are there any further board member comments? Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Okay, yes. just a couple things. So, it would, I think it'd be nice if we had nameplates, especially since people are watching, you know, people holding cards or whatever with their name on it. Not only as we change membership here, just we don't see each other that often, we each other's name. Is there any way to do that that would be? So nice if we bring them to the meeting and turn them at the end, you don't have to worry about leaving us there. Yeah, we used to have them, but they were paper, and I think people were taking them home and not everybody to bring them back. And then if I tried to fit all of the last almost five years worth of paperwork in that binder, I found my spot is feeding. Sector that they represent. Thank you for that. And the other suggestions there? One. I think we should do roll call because you start out, you have no idea who's here, especially if you're watching in. We just look around, anyone who's here can write down who is missing, but there's no roll call. And are there excused absences or unexcused? Do we should we take action on excusing absences? Should people call in if they're not going to be here? I don't know if we have any process about that, but I know, I know that that's definitely the case on other boards. Um, that, that many of us have served on is, you know, that that was something that kind of confused me at first because there were times when we did do roll call, other times when we weren't. Um, the, just as of right now, this is President Kelber and West, so it's always good to remember to announce yourself as well. And I think as we do that, we'll all get to know each other better because um, sometimes it can also just be nerve wracking and you kind of trip over your own words. So I would definitely, I'm all about the, the visual cues. I think that that's a wonderful suggestion. Can do so. A couple of direct answers. The roll call vote is if you need to establish a quorum. Uh, yeah, and I think just what what for excuse me, I'm saying, but yeah, just for attendance and for overall stating yep. who we are. We, do <clears throat> we do have newer newer members. And, um, and there, are there excused and unexcused absences? Yeah. I'm just saying. I going back to our policy. I don't know. We have in terms yeah, of like you know, show up for six meetings. Is there is that an issue? Is that different if you're calling in and saying, hey, I think you know. Yeah, that's a really good point. I would think that 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 is kind of an issue considering six is like four. I didn't look at bylaws, but we have that. The reason why the city commission does it is there's a charter provision hmm. that if you don't get an unexcused absence, you don't get paid. But a lot of boards have that sort of expectation also. Yeah, even unpaid boards, you know, for participation purposes, especially those that, you know, hold such a high level of accountability. Thank you, sir, for being patient. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Um, 
So we approved a legal services agreement earlier in the meeting, and I just want to recognize Clyde and the great work he has done as the FFB attorney uh, from the beginning, uh, meeting and putting this all together, and much appreciated and great job, and wish you well. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, we'll say the same thing for next. No, we'll tell you about it. We'll say the Yes. Um, we just created a nominating committee that has currently no members. Is that a thing we should attend to? I was not sure if that was part of the motion that had to be um, the today. Well, yeah, the appointments had to actually be made today. They don't have to be, but they certainly can be. And with, with most people. More people here than in the past, of course, that are So, okay. Uh, you can nominate. We have not. Okay. Until the beginning of the year. I think that that was, and, and thank you for bringing that up. I think that that was part of the discussion is that without any vacancies, it's something that can be addressed at the beginning of the year when those. We yeah. start the ones that are in that interim um, stage right now. Yeah, our, our the the process will begin essentially to the middle of October, but that's all back end staff work, and then we have to continue the calls, which would happen after we receive the applications in January. So the, the first kind of use of the committees would be January, February. However, what I think what uh, Director Lombard is saying is that we need to create this. Now. We need to, to we, need, we don't just need to pass the motion to create it. We we want to um, mm -hmm. to have those numbers established so, before then. Can we do that next Okay, so then we will table that for October. So we will um, do that in October. Now that we have some more background around what the nominating looks like and its function. Are there any other board member comments? All right. Um, what's now? Three. What's the time? Three. Okay. This meeting is adjourned at three twenty-seven p.m. Thank you so much. Thank you. 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 Th